Today's World Cup road trip is brought to you by a Chiana, which is a Russian name for a small orange backpack with Ronaldinho's name on it. If you'd like to support our sponsor, the Chiana Orange Backpack, come to our supermarket in Samara as best you can. Um, if you'd like to support any of our other sponsors, go to supersimplecards.com and order your six-pack, your 10-pack, or 12-pack of greeting cards. Save time and hassle and money. Um, they're environmentally friendly, uh, they're really beautiful, and they're supporting the World Cup road trip. So go to supersimplecards.com and put in the World Cup offer code uh, in order to get your 10% discount. It's a sunny Samara day and we're enjoying it on the banks of the Volga. Not before though, Tony was out taking on the Russians in an Australia versus Soviet sing-off. I don't think it went that well for us. was that I think we might have heard it's quite possible we heard a peasant folk song that was about being oppressed by Stalin that was from the heart that pretty much rattled the bones of every of every Russian here in the Zavira brewery and then what do we hit back with Uzi, Uzi, Uzi. Oi, oi. I'm ashamed I'm ashamed. A folk song and from I, World War II, apparently. Uh, that's exactly right. And okay. it's better than Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. I got it wrong. I got it wrong. It wasn't Stalin I was thinking about. It was Hitler. About surviving Hitler. And we hit back with a fucking Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. That's the best we've but, got. That's all we got. That's all that's we all got. got. You yeah. might have to give us the Brisbane Lions yeah. theme song. Yeah, we are the boys from <laughs> Old Fitzroy. We wear the colours. Maroon Francis, you are missing a big one here at the Zaguli Brewery in Samara. It has turned into a song-off between the, the Russians and the Australians, and they are putting us to the sword, I'm afraid. Uh, my friend Cam Fink has tried to crank out the second verse of the Australian National Anthem. That's how desperate we got. We needed more material. Ah, uh, but they are superb. Zaguli Brewery and it's a terrific beer barn sort of place and we're watching the Argentina versus Croatia game and I've been exposed on the language front. I, I don't blame entirely myself. Um, I did ask an Australian in the queue what to order and here he is in front of me. Dean, let's unpick this disaster. Well, I mean, I, I think your first mistake, Tony, was asking me for help in, uh, in, in a question, you know, on a menu in, uh, in Russia. And uh, I said, go to the number seven. 
the Palemi. The Palemi, and uh, Palemi is a, a lovely, uh, if you've never had them before, folks, it's a, it's a Russian uh, dumpling or ravioli style. Uh, it's a snack. It's, 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 it's a snack, yeah. yeah you, so, you only I, need one. So I said, I'll get a bowl of Palemi, that's in my head, a bowl of Palemi, yeah. and a bowl of wings. So mix the West and the East, it was kind of like blending, it was almost solving the Cold War. It was what my order, wasn't it? It, it, it? it was. I mean, we should have been in Kazan for yeah. a bit, for a meal like that. But yeah, and so and then I, we get up the front, and you're helping. We're all speaking too loudly and yelling what the order might be. And I say Palimi, and you say number seven. Number seven, because that's the number seven on the menu, right? Well, why else would you number it? Yeah. So easy order, number seven, Palimi. Uh, and, and I say, and wings. Yeah. And I, I, I think your listeners are smart enough to know where it's going from here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I so, probably should have counted a bit more when I handed over yeah. the 2,000 rubles. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I rubles. thought my beer was expensive. Yeah. And so, so, yeah. And so basically, um, seven bowls of polimi turn up and a bowl of wings. And... Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Actually, I... So you got your seven, or your seven number sevens, unbeknownst to you, but then I actually ordered an extra number seven. <laughs> so we got eight. We got eight number sevens, and... Uh, eight sevens and 56. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of uh, a lot of dumplings, and... Um, but to be fair, including the beer, the total came to under 40 bucks. Yeah, and it's yeah. good value. It's great value, but let's be honest, Melbourne's outrageous, and something must be done. And, uh, and I also should say that the Zaguli pub here... When they realised, when I explained laughingly what I'd done, they uh, gave me 700 ruble back. It, it was a reasonable discount for a, a reasonable mistake. Yeah. And it should be said too, they were just going to give it to someone else and that would have no way lowered the standard they've been handing of, yeah. like, of food and, they've been handing and, out tonight. And, and, and Cam, so. that's someone else. It, it, it's the staff, let's be honest. It was staff polemics. So be careful... Word of warning, be careful when you're ordering the number something. You may end up with a lot of food. Well, what we had just seen, what was that, Cam? Well, that was a very entertaining nil all for 87 minutes. And the thing that was entertaining about it was that it was end-to-end. Chances at both ends. And in the second half, Brazil were on top of it. But VAR has once again proved itself to be what we want. Neymar took a dive in the penalty area, ref gave the penalty, and it was a dive. And he was uh, and he was shown up to be the cheater that he sometimes is. And uh, but we saw both sides of Neymar. He then he, he grabbed the, the second goal in the 92nd minute. What did he do in the 91st minute? Well, before he'd done that, let's just give a little bit more before that. One thing that you don't mind is a great player being brilliant. And yeah. Neymar is a great player, player, and he was being brilliant. But you don't want to see it done in a shit way. And that's what he was doing. What he did in the 91st minute, when they finally scored their goal, was did the windmill bicycle, what's it called? I don't even know what that is. What's the name of that flick? It's the up-the-back flick and over-the-top of the minding player in order to recapture the ball on the end line. You wouldn't say he was looking for the boundary line at 91 minutes. Not a typical <laughs> tactic for a team that has worked very hard to finally get what looked to be the winning goal. It's they did like, not park the bus. It was more like a, I want to win the golden boot move, wasn't it? 
We saw two sides of football in all its glory within 10 minutes. We saw a side pressing and creating chances for half an hour and not being able to break through and in their desperation, diving, whinging, complaining and being rightly turned down by VAR for a penalty. And that was amazing to see. And then what we saw was the right result, really. Brazil were the better team by far, and they scored a goal. And then after they did that, they didn't park the bus. They scored another goal because yeah, they're that good. Freaked the ball up the back, <laughs> ran on, collected. Is that is it? Joga Benita? What do they say? The beautiful game? No. That was an amazing game, engaging from start to finish. It had everything except the yellow card that they're whinging. I, I will go back and say this actually: the referee at one point did what. Your wife, I believe, refers to as the derogatory talking puppet face. The referee did that to Neymar. That physically gave him, in Neymar's face, the whinge, 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 mouthing with the hand, go away. The, t- the, the, the correct name for it from my wife, Tamsin, is derogatory puppet hand. So it is. She was Neymar once... was shown that by the referee today. It's when someone is talking to you and you just make a Kermit the Frog hand on your left. So if you do that to your wife or husband, there's nothing surer than they will completely lose that it. That is one nothing in the doghouse. <laughs> she said, if you ever do derogatory puppet hands to me again. <laughs> and we saw a referee give that to one of the top five players in the world today. That yeah. was wonderful to watch. And then even better was watching him respond by being the best player on the field. Well, Tony... The day after the football, time to explore the city of Samara. And it's hard to get your head around the fact that, say, 30 years ago, this was a closed city. You couldn't get in here unless you had permission. Well, it's amazing. I mean, this is a very industrial place. So they build cars here. And uh, and back in the day, they built the space program here. And so obviously that was, it was central to Soviet pride. It was absolutely central to the Cold War. And, and so the government basically declared that this place was no ins, no outs. Um, if you wanted to go to Moscow and you were a, uh, a, a resident of Samara, you had the job of notifying the authorities, getting a particular leave pass and making your way to Moscow. So, I mean, that whole idea that the Soviet Union was a difficult place to access, was shut off from the world... Imagine that even within your shut-off world of the Soviet Union, you cannot get out of your own city because you're too close to the rocket that's about to take Yuri Gagarin into space. You wouldn't notice it now because it's a very open and modern city in its own way, but the pride and the prestige of the space program is everywhere, and there's some magnificent monuments to that. There's one absolutely brilliant monument, a giant silver plinth, with a heroic statue that sits above the Volga River, which just took my breath away. And there's also a wonderful space museum, and I think we both went out there and you got into exploring the world of Yuri Gagarin, the smiling cosmonaut. Oh, he, what, a, what, a, what a hero he is. Can you imagine the idea of being blasted off that day? It's, it's really incomprehensible how scary that would be. And, and I went out there, I think I even recorded the words he said to the world as he took off. Dean, we've come to Samara's excuse for a space museum, which I wouldn't say is spectacular. It probably wasn't worth the 500 rubles. Well, I mean, 500 rubles sounds like a lot, but 10 10 bucks, but that's a lot of vodka. (laughs) Well, 10 bucks, but you really didn't get to go up in the rocket. Um, you did get to see a bit of a soccer exhibition, it seemed to be, on the second floor. Yeah, that was, uh, that was spectacular, yet not ho- overly historic, I wouldn't have thought. But there is history around this place in the sense that what the Soviets did in 1961, and there was a celebration of Yuri Gagarin in there, 
but he he took off into space 108 minutes that's just uh, full time plus one period of extra time he was in space 108 minutes that changed the world yeah I'm sure it felt like a lot longer it did and uh, the words he used I'm just looking at the Wikipedia entry and the words he used were Poyakali as he took off let's let's go let's go and that became a popular phrase Poyakali it means let's go let's take off and it was, it's, a, it's a kind of an exhortation to greatness and certainly his feet um, it has been remembered forever. They announced it. The yeah. Soviet, um, the, the propaganda voice that made all the great pronouncements during the Patriotic War, it, it announced uh, Gagarin getting into orbit. And it, they did it before he was back down in order to make it clear to the Americans in particular that he wasn't some sort of uh, military threat. Yeah, and, and just in case he didn't come back down, I guess... I know, and, uh, and, and he himself, I think he had a bit of a, a sense of history, Yuri, he's a small man, we found a picture of him playing football. Yeah, wonderful head of hair. Yeah, he, um, he gave a little speech, I love speeches, I actually run a website called speakola.com uh, that has a, a, a compilation of all, the, of all the great speeches in history, and he gave a little speech as he was about to take off, uh, just for minutes before boarding the, sp- the spacecraft, Dear friends, you who are close to me and you you whom I do not know, fellow Russians and people of all countries and all continents, in a few minutes a powerful space vehicle will carry me into the distant realm of space. What can I tell you in in these last few minutes before the launch? My whole life appears to me as one beautiful moment. All that I previously lived through and did was lived through and done for the sake of this moment. Puyakali. Puyakali, Yuri! <laughs> Puyakali Socceroos. Indeed. Come on. Uh, Ruslan. Ruslan? Yeah. Like Ru- Russia and land. Ah, Ruslan. Yeah. Now, Ruslan, we're in Samara, and uh, Francis and I were talking yesterday about, about Samara being a closed city. And you might be able to explain to us what a closed city means. Yeah. Uh, during Soviet period, uh, we had a lot of factories here uh, that do some uh, military-related stuff. We still do rockets, and uh, we do rockets for uh, aerospace program that's used by American right now for to launch their astronauts to space station. Uh, we built uh, a lot of kind of planes. We built a lot of uh, engines for planes. Uh, we did the chemical weapons uh, in our regions, and uh, they still have uh, factory to like uh, refurbish this uh, chemical weapons and uh, destroy it. Uh, we still have uh, some military secret almost secret but everybody knew about this so it's not secret for you too I suppose for your country so we have a lot of uh, different en- uh, different plants uh, related to at least related before for, mil- for military and it, does a closed city mean you're not allowed to leave yeah, the city? Yeah. It, it was pretty hard to get, get there for foreign people. But uh, during World War II, actually, it was the second capital, if you know. I'm not sure if you visited uh, this uh, Stalin's bunker. Yeah. Yeah? So it was the second capital, and we had a lot of uh, foreign, like... Uh, I forgot this word. Uh, offices. Embassies. Embassies, yeah, yeah. And my other question is, for Soviet people in the 1950s and 1960s, 
in a closed city, were they allowed to leave this city, Samara, to go to Moscow? So. Yeah, it's wow. It's a pretty complex uh, question, actually, because even now uh, we have a strange system of registration. When we arrive to another city, we have to register. Even you, I'm not sure if you yeah. registered. We registered. You registered. Yeah, and we too. If you, if I arrive to Moscow, even now, I have to be registered uh, because if I'm not, I can be stopped by policemen. And if I don't have registration, I can be asked to go to the, the, their office and to explain why what I'm doing here. It's pretty strange. It's uh, old school. Actually, they almost don't don't do this now, at least for Russian people. But uh, they they still can. Uh, I do this for immigrants from Asia because if they see some strange people they can ask demonstrate your registration if you don't have registration you can be sent back to your country so there's not a feeling of freedom do you feel like there's no freedom in Russia no it's not true do you see do you see some com- some problem with our freedom No, no, I mean, in terms of being able to move it's, freely. It's right. just an uh, old system that uh, should be just, uh, uh, like, uh, dis- like, not destroyed, but, but everybody already forgot about it, but still it exists, officially exists, but nobody cares about it. So, so a closed city just meant you had to notify authorities if you wanted to leave? Closed means that you can't uh, enter I, here. I so you, you from other country, it was pretty complex to you to arrive here. Because we would have seen stuff, yeah, maybe. Yeah, and uh, only maybe 20 or 30 years ago, I, you can start see foreign people here. Okay, it's interesting. It's been lovely coming here. I've enjoyed it a lot. So thank I'm you. I'm too. I'd be glad to see you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>